Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dinner time is here. That's right. We're talking about season three, episode nine of Hannibal on Dish by Dish. Well, greetings and salutations. Internet, it is your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the Baltimore Institute for the Criminally Insane. This is the Dish by Dish podcast, day, an offshoot of Kill by Kill, where we uh, we watch an episode of Hannibal and then we talk about it. And of course, there's only one person I trust that if I have to slip you a file, I will make sure that it doesn't have paper clips or anything you can use as a weapon. The one and the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Oh, good, but you got to hand it to me in a cake. Everybody <laughs> knows this. But I need- hand files to you in a cake. I, ha- I hand you murder photographs. Oh, that kind of file. Okay. Well, I mean, yes. I suppose you could bake that into a cake. It has to be smooth paper. <laughs> if I'm remembering the instructions from Manhunter correctly. <laughs> And speaking of remembering things correctly, this is an episode in particular that is is treading a lot of territory that we have seen in previous adaptations, almost ripped from the book itself. Um, we get the full confrontation of uh, Will talking to Hannibal again for the first time. We get a lot of dialogue that is lifted from various places in between Alana and Hannibal and Jack and Hannibal. And we we also uh, meet Francis's uh, girlfriend friend, uh, uh, Reba, um, here played by uh, Rutina Wesley of uh, True Blood, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she yeah. suffered a lot in that show. Did you watch? Did you uh, you watch know, I didn't watch it. I, I, I was aware, you know, just by friends who had watched it, a lot of what happened in it, but... Mm-hmm. I think I think I've I think I have an idea what what her character went through. It, it, I, it's not as much like she just um, she was put in an awkward position of being the uh, friend who puts her foot down a lot about you don't do this you don't have a, a vampire for a boyfriend you certainly don't have two vampires for a boyfriend and then they're like she can't always just be like the the dish rag who make sure that her best friend doesn't get laid by hot vampires. And they're like, I don't know, maybe she's a swamp witch. And you're like, does she have to be like, can you, (laughs) she can have adventures under herself. And they just kind of made her suffer a lot. Um, There's a lot going on with that show, wasn't it? There's a lot of shit happening in that show. I, Um, uh, I, I I stayed at a friend's house once and they had to go to work. So I kind of had the place to myself for a while. Um, mm. And I noticed that they had um, uh, one of the books um, written by, I, I forget the author's name, but I, th- I think it was the, uh, and I read it. I'm like, wow, this is really hard to follow. Yeah. There, there are a lot of, there are a lot of characters. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're all fucking, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know and there's, apparently yeah. fairies could have sex. Who knew, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. I mean, the world just learns that they're vampires. And, and then they're like, hold on. There's everything else. Now, the only thing it doesn't have is sexy Frankensteins. That. You have to go to Buffy for a Frankenstein. They were the only <laughs> vampire show bold enough to put a sexy-esque Frankenstein up in their show. 
with some regularities. For whatever reason, Frankensteins, nobody wants to touch them. Speaking of Frankensteins, I, I, yes. I sort of feel like um, as far as this portrayal of Francis Dollarhide, uh, there's a bit of a Frankenstein's monster quality to to him. Like, sure. you know, he's got the very low voice where like, you know, at one point, like, you know, when Reba just invites him into her house, it's like, Reba, yeah. my God. Re- you, know? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, you know, he, she, he's, he, you know, he realizes that she can hear he's got a speech impediment. So, you know, he basically kind of just like regresses it. Yeah, he starts grunting. He <laughs> <Yeah>. starts. <laughs> I mean, we haven't seen vocalizations like this since we covered cat people. I think we were, we were on somebody else's podcast for that. Um, but yeah, he's just like, and he's like, why just, are you just, sling blading in my house? Have you ever she, had? And she's cool with it. She's like, ooh, this guy's interesting. Yeah, she is kind of cool with it. I mean, here's the thing that I kind of like about this character, and it's it's very interesting. And um, you it, you've seen it again since, but it's it's one of the first ones that I encountered where uh, a character obviously uh, she is not sighted. And so that is an element of her character, but really what she's about is um, I, it's not that I don't want to be treated like I'm blind. I don't want the only thing I have in the world to be considered is the fact that I cannot see. And she's also horny and horny blind people are few and far between. The world just needs more of them represented in cinema. I, and I, so, I, I will say if, you know, as horny as a show as Hannibal itself is overall, mm-hmm. this is actually in keeping with the way the character was written. Like if you if you recall the book, she's kind of pretty forward with him. Yes. And, and he just does not know how to handle it. <laughs> I mean, he is the the sort of um born yesterday born sexy yesterday. In a lot of ways, because all she knows about him is his presence and she can sense that he's tall, built and semi animalistic. And she's kind of like, yeah, I can work that. I can work with that. (laughs) And And that's kind of cool. I guess if she's been used to, you know, men being kind of patronizing and kind of treating her like a little, you know, delicate flower right. yeah i guess i can kind of see where he would be somewhat enticing a, a change of pace i guess um but and... I mean, he's, def- he's definitely you know to 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 you know use the parlance of the youth he's given serial killer <laughs> he's he's got a vibe and that vibe isn't um i want to take you on the kitchen counter it's i want to growl while eating pie and like hunched over it, like like you're, you know, you're you're in a dungeon and someone's just giving you, you know, you you a, you a chunk of ham. Right. Like he's gonna he's, he's gonna snap at you if you try to take the plate away. Um, to harken back to a film that if our audience has not watched, I absolutely encourage them to called Miami Blues. It came out in 1990. It's a fantastic picture. Um, in that. A terrible human being is playing a terrible human being. And uh, the cop in the film recognizes that he's been in jail 
because of the way he eats, because he eats like someone can snatch the food off his plate. His fork is always inward. He's not, it doesn't, it's never outward. He's, he's like protecting his meal. And that is a lot of energy that Francis is giving in this particular section. Have you ever had this tense a conversation when pie was involved? <laughs> Never. Pie is, the, <laughs> pie is the great equalizer. Who doesn't love a nice is. slice of pie? No. But yeah, I, I, think the, I think the impression that you're supposed to get is that, I mean, I mean, it's not an impression. You know this by this point, that he, he was an abused child. Yeah. So, you know, the, the body language is somewhat similar. Um, but I, I think that the flashback to when he's having, when he's a child having dinner with his grandmother cracks yes. me up because it looks like it takes place in like 1943. Yeah. I wrote down, <laughs> I wrote down, does this take place in the dust bowl? Why? <laughs> well, I, I, I think he'd be like, he'd be like, this was like 2013. So yes. he'd be like our age, which means, which, which means that he would be, this would be like the eighties. Yes. And like, you know, they got the, you know, the, the, the China and the silver out on the table. Grandma's dressed like Mrs. Bates. You know, and, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just thinking of my grandmother who just wore caftans. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like my grandmother, you know, sat on a lazy boy and watched a lot of golf on the weekends. Um, <laughs> we would go to the Glendale Galleria and I would carry her bags, but this kind of setup where you're just surrounded by olds and she just stares daggers at your skull. They, I mean, also what the fuck are they eating? Gina, it looks like they're just plates of loose boiled ground Turkey. <laughs> well, if I recall, I, I think that she ran like a boarding house for old people in oh, the, in, in the, in the book. So I guess maybe it's kind of like institutional food. I, I don't okay. know. It, it's, it's interesting how you can't you know use your cherry pit because that 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 makes it sound like i'm denigrating i'm really not but like certain aspects of the book now in, in the book it would have been in the 1940s because sure yeah, yeah francis dollarhide was supposed to be in his 40s but the book was in the 80s yeah so that that flashback setting would have been correct so but for whatever reason you just like, well, let's just leave it it's like okay is he like 75 because he looks, he looks really good for 75. No, he's very well preserved for 75. I mean, good for him. Um, of course, like what would possibly age him outside of his, his ink and just uh, reaching back for the giant dragon growing out of his back? Um, I, the question I wrote down, and it is legitimate, because he seems to grow a fantasy tale at one point. Does he qualify as a furry? I'm not sure. I was going to say, I think he's actually, I, I believe that would actually make him an other kin. Oh, okay. Well, you know. I think, and, I think, I think other kins are people who believe themselves to be fairy tale creatures. Oh, okay. I have spent a lot of time on the internet. <laughs> God bless you for that. You're saving me a lot of trouble and questions from my wife asking, what the fuck are you looking up on the internet? So. I, I think just spicing things up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight we're introducing dragon play to our lovemaking. <laughs> I gotta breathe hot fire. I, I, I'd like to make love on a pile of gold. Now you can't touch it. I, I brought these fairy wings home. Are those for me? No. No. They're for me. No, no. Come on. Be serious. <laughs> this is supposed to be hot. Can you play with me? Um. <laughs> Oh, God. 
<laughs> is this what you imagined the show would become after never. six years? Never, never. <laughs> I, I, we, um, we're having a guest um, coming up who uh, happened to be in one of the films that we're covering. And so uh, we have covered rather. So I, I listened to back to some of those shows that would have covered when she was in the movie. And um, I had forgotten all about us talking about uh, what Jason Voorhees would be like if he was in a YMCA children's swimming class. <laughs> we do have some good bits. <laughs> we really do. I'm like, man, that was a that was a hell of a show. I hope we're still that good. I, maybe we we're, we're better. It, it it would be possible that we're worse, but. I just want to say that, like, we produced quality pretty early on. Yes. I, I, mm, yes. I say so. <laughs> um, what were we talking about again? <laughs> yeah, people uh, having sex with dragon tails on. Yeah, and 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 Francis Dollar Hyde as as a Frankenstein's monster. Yes. But yeah, when he when he like <laughs> when she's like, oh, put your back against the door and take three steps forward. I was like thinking of the scene and uh. Young Frankenstein, when like he's showing up on the stage, he's like, "That's walk forward." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Speaking of of uh, reanimated corpses, um, this this show has a corpse in it. It it <laughs> we uh, we have a, a corpse that is just sitting in a chair, and uh, apparently, did did Hannibal, um dig up Garrett Jacob Hobbs oh, was or he did he re- was steal he, him? Was he real? I thought that was, I thought she was like hallucinating him. Uh, uh, well, that, that also could be, it's very hard because to tell. She, she cuts his, although she does cut his throat and for a second I was like, is that iced tea for me? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Janet, oh, that's now, the way we make iced tea in, oh, man, in Rhode I, Island. I, I wish you hadn't told me iced tea is one of my favorite beverages, but, uh, <laughs> Now I'm not gonna look at it the same way again. I then I'm like I'm like oh okay now now when you say oh he might be real I guess that was supposed to be embalming fluid or something. Uh, that yes I mean this this show has had some serious gross moments right, but I'll be honest with you I had forgotten this happens, and when she cuts open that throat and embalming fluid just spills out like he's been primed for this like there's pressure within his body which again we don't come to Hannibal for realism that said um when embalming fluid just comes gushing out of a neck wound I'm like that would just be in his in his feet yeah no, I, I, have, no I, I have to believe that that has to be a, a, a she's hallucinating because wasn't she in the she was in the hospital for a while wasn't she when when uh after the after Garrett Jacob Hobbs got got killed so yes, I mean that's but a remarkably she could be checked out by Will or Hannibal. So maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, again, we don't. It's entirely possible it really was his body, and you know, again, we don't come to the show for realism. Exactly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah, and because and it definitely takes place um, after he supposedly killed her. So that's it's not even in the middle of season one. This would essentially be happening during season two. So this whole scene either, is just, this whole scene is so weird to me. Yeah. Because 
Like he has drugged her, and again, he's got that good shit that I need to get my hands on that that <laughs> both calms you and makes you swoony. Like you just had the hardest orgasm of your life. Right, where you're just yeah. like glassy eyed and staring at him, and you know, kind of like, <laughs> sure, okay, I'll sure. do whatever you want, and and take and, my ear off. What do I care? Yeah, and um, and he's like trying to make it look like he killed her, and they're doing the scene where they're like spraying her blood. Yes. And it's just like that very meaningfully shot of like liquid just bursting out of something. Yes. And she's like swooning in his arms. And I'm like, wow, this TV show is really fucked up. Has this, <laughs> really again, is. for the 150th time, how did this get on network television? I think, well, you know, it's universal in, in its themes. I mean, I think we all remember that time with our children where we fake their death, explore how, what it would be be like if we murdered them and orgasmically spray blood about it's it's a thing you do with kids well it's, it's another and it's another moment where uh, you know hannibal yet again proves that someone you know who who you would normally not it would not ever confess to such a thing you know, confesses their capacity for murder where where you know abigail that she actually did kind of like you know, had going going around dad and finding young girls to murder. Yeah. Uh, you know, because that that seems to be the entire point of this show is that every single person has the capacity to do hideous things to other people. Yes. Very, very true. It just um it doesn't always happen in stabbing as it does in this particular show. But yes, man's inhumanity to man is quite universal. So are the twisted relations we have with family and of all the elements uh, that never really get explored in film versions of red dragon. Now, when you spread this out a little bit more and give it a little bit more room to play, we do start to see themes that can only be done on Hannibal that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. And that is a comparison to Francis's need to create new family with the families that have been created within the world of Hannibal. As Hannibal himself says, when he meets up with Will again, we are family. Yeah. I, I liked how Will's making a point of calling him Dr. Lecter again. Yes. Can I, can I say, can I, can I just say something per, perhaps controversial? Sure. I don't like Will in this season. It, it, Will's harder to take. And I agree with you because if you've been down a particular road over and over and over again, when you make the same mistake, it's a, it's a lot more difficult to forgive. I, it, that's my opinion. Well, it's more that he's, he's a little sanctimonious now, which when she he is the last person who should be. Right. And, and, you know, I, I feel like he kind of feels a little above everybody now. Like, like, you know, like, like you with this whole experience should have, I don't want to say humbled him a bit, but like, you know, I, I don't get what he, you, you, I get why Alana is distrustful of him. Yes. I don't get why he sort of acts like, well, you know, this is your fault too. You know? <laughs> and, it's like, and it's like, no, well, it's not her fault. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, she did not respond in the same ways. Uh, although that being said, it's what I, he should not be sanctimonious because all of their hands are covered in blood. 
Right. Um, but he's acting like, well, at least I did something about it. And she also did something about it. She, she <laughs> like, sure did. You know, like, <laughs> She's doing something about it right now. Yes. He's also weirded out that other people have been able to establish lives when it takes so much for him to have a nor a quote unquote normal life. You know, I can't say that Alana's life are, is necessarily normal, but she has found a way to quite literally make the best of things. And I think he holds that against her in particular. And I don't know if that's because previously they were romantically entwined. The fact that both of them are romantically inclined to it, do it certain degrees with Hannibal that she is now in a lesbian relationship. And he just kind of like, he's, he's snarky about it. It's not a good look for him. No, like he, he, it's like he's sort of directing his bitterness at the wrong people. And she qualifies exactly what she's doing there. Quite plainly, there are five doors between Hannibal and the outside world. And I have all the keys she feels that she is the best person to make sure he never sees daylight again. And that is, you can honestly say, I think she's earned a lot of those rights given what she's suffered at the hands of one Hannibal Lecter. Right, exactly. Someone who hasn't suffered a lot at the hands of Hannibal Lecter would be the one and only Freddie Lowndes, who uh, makes her first appearance back on the show dressed like she's in the Grease Lightning sequence of Grease. <laughs> Apparently, you're in 2013, uh, is, is a newspaper form. <laughs> yes, it's it finally made a transition. Listen, digital is yesterday. You got to get in print, baby, if you want, if you want to reach the masses. <laughs> they all want to touch paper with the with their with their fingies. You know, ooh, on your phone, gross. <laughs> oh man. Again, it is perfectly why why can't he just be scrolling it on his phone? Why does it have to be a legitimate piece of paper? Like it is one thing in 1983 for there to be a tabloid full of murder, but in in 2013 to be a tabloid full of murder i don't know it's fine for it to be online it is yeah i mean you know you francis isn't like you know a a a, a helpless ludite i'm sure he could operate a computer <laughs> yes he may not have one at home but he must have a phone i just to all of a sudden make it a print edition seems like a, a wild swing but again we do not come to hannibal for reality. That's not <laughs> what we get out of it. Here's where I'm going to start to nerd out. And I apologize to our audience, but occasionally I notice things and I just have to talk about them. Hannibal as a series has usually been very rooted in art deco and arts and crafts architecture, right? It has been either plainly rooted in sort of uh, prairie time ranch houses or uh, in um, older cityscapes and the time in Florence notwithstanding. But the Buffalo Murder House is decidedly mid-century modern. 
It's literally out of the school of Taliesin and Frank Lloyd Wright. And then when we go to Reba's house, she is also in a mid-mod A-frame with exposed brick. Is this a fucking thing or am I a nerd? I think you might be a nerd. Oh, well, okay. It was fun while it lasted, everybody. I've outed myself <laughs> as a mid-century modern nerd. Uh, although I don't, I don't really know architecture, so you know, you, it's entirely possible you are, you know, you picked up the, the thread on something, and I, I just didn't because I don't know these things. It's just, it's uh, a weird change of pace. The only other time we've even smelled modern that I can really think of is if you, uh, you know, go back to um where Hannibal was having um you know all of his uh therapy lessons and and lessons therapy sessions in in season 2 with Dr. uh Bedelia uh her house was more modern than i would say mid-century it it has a lot of window space and open and uh, obviously a very open living room but this is a choice. It's a distinct choice. And I feel like it has to fucking mean something. I just haven't decided what that exactly means. Let it be whatever you want. Sure. Uh, this episode is distinctly murder-free. <laughs> I mean, we're revisiting the same murders over and over and over again, but no one new actually ends up dying. Uh, unless you count the corpse of a former serial killer and that might not even be reality. Yeah, no. Yeah. This is a, um, you're not coming to this episode for action and, no. and, you know, over the top set pieces or anything you, you are, you know, it's largely, you know, to get more backstory on Hannibal's sort of, uh, paternal serial killer training, uh, training school relationship with, the. Uh, Abigail and to to introduce Reba as a character. Yeah, where it's uh, where it's a lot of setup, right? Yeah, and yeah. and it's a vibe, right? It doesn't really let you down in the vibe department, but it is a lot of laying roadwork for plot down the line, I suppose. Um, the only other thing I will say is I am making a request for the fictional character of Molly. To be my friend. I have some very nice friends, but Molly may be the too perfect for this world sort of friend who <laughs> isn't super annoying. And I would just like to have her leap out of this show and just call me every once in a while and say, I'm an okay person. <laughs> yeah, she may be a little bit better than Will deserves at this point. She is. Um, it ends probably you know why they've linked up <laughs> they they both love astray and he's certainly the prime example of one so there's that but it just i could hear her phone conversation on a loop um uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it also reminds me of like you know having a partner in this life and i feel this way very much obviously with you everyone gets to hear us talk and and uh, no one really gets to hear Becky and I talk, but it's that thing where you can just have wonderful conversations about nothing and everything all at the same time. Yeah. 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 And including everyone deserves like, that. Including like how big a dog's balls are. <laughs> Truly. 
I can say that I have not on purpose retracted my balls to my knowledge. Can you do that? Uh, like, do you have to like, do you have to like tug on your earlobes or something for that? How does that work? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You have to pull on your hair like uh, Remy the rat in Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not really Cause, sure. Cause I know with, cause with happens. women, there's like a, like a, a tiny, like, like, like uh, a crank under our arms that sure. you kind of, you can, you kind of like turn like counterclockwise to sort of pull them in mm-hmm. and then you hit a switch and they come back out. You know I mean? So it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be it that way. I wish I could hit a switch. That would, that again, <laughs> I, that sounds like a, a real advantage. Uh, no, I fucking. I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of my balls, to be honest with you. <laughs> Get they're, away! <laughs> they're in the way. I've also reached an age where occasionally I will wake up and and have to yank because I'm now sleeping on them. Like I've be. <laughs> What was the sitcom where the guy sit on, sat on his balls and they had to shut down production? You you haven't done a Mr. Belvedere yet, have you? No, not yet, but like we're close. There's a a gift that I love of a guy. He he looks like he's like sitting on some kind of panel or something. And Uh he definitely shifts around and sits right on the boys. Yeah. You can see him like like a little ow jumping. Fucking useless, honestly. (laughs) Truly, truly, truly. <laughs> what a pain in the ass. Yeah, you can't wear or you can't wear you can't wear your cat suit because you know just everything right. just right there for everybody yeah. to see. Yeah. No. They're, they're, they fucking suck. Like, I'm, I'm sure people some people enjoy them and God bless you, but uh, I can't say that I'm a fan. Um the only other thing of note that happens in this particular episode that I definitely wanted to mention is we have the triumphant return of wet dream will we finally get a wet will back he covered uh, in, in this sweat show. scene and and covered in blood and covered in blood we love to see will wet we like a moist glistening <laughs> Just head toe in, in fluids <laughs> um josh hollis does all of her artwork and our music is by revenge body go to revenge body Memphis uh, at bandcamp.com for this remix and all our other themes. Um, and we're so thankful for them to contributing uh, to the success of this program. Rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. We haven't had a new one in a little bit and it does help us be seen and heard by more people. I know everyone asks you, but they don't ask you like I do right from the bottom of my heart. I need this from you. If you're just listening to dish by dish. And I know there are some people who listen to dish by dish more than others. Uh, rate and review us if you haven't already. And if you have like, see if you can do it again, I'm not going to tell, uh, Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? Uh, I write about television and movies at the school.net. Uh, some reviews that I will have up by the time this goes live is, um, they slash them. Mm. Um, orphan, the rise of what's her face, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, <laughs> orphan first kill, I believe. Yes. Um, yes. and uh, I what was the other movie? I'm, it, yeah, those are the two big ones that I'll be covering okay. in August. Uh, I am working on a little side project with Joe Lipset and Jen Adams called White Ladies in Crisis. Uh, we uh just start currently started run on the Hulu miniseries Candy, so you can look for that. 
and I am on Twitter under Gina Does Things. Do it today, people. Check it out. Uh, find us on our socials. You know how to do things. Uh, buy a T-shirt on Tee Public. We'd love for that to happen. Um, you know, we have sales all the time, uh, twice a month. So uh, check it out. Uh, that just about does it. Uh, find us on our Patreon. We've got uh, a, a listener request this month where we're talking about Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. And of course, at the end of the month, we will be covering the 2018 version of Halloween. So that'll be interesting for us to revisit that bad boy after so many years. Uh, that just about does it. Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue for myself and for Gina. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.